cleanse us. Praise God. Let it find a lodging place in our heart. Praise God. Hallelujah. Brother Dupree. Lord bless you for being here tonight. Don't you take your Bibles and turn to the book of Luke, if you would, please. Luke, the eighth chapter. In verse 22, Luke 8 and verse 22. Everybody there? Okay. Now it came to pass on a certain day. He went into a ship with his disciples, and he said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. We're going to title this tonight, Let Us Go Over to the Other Side. Now he gave them a command that what they were going to do he said, we are going to go over to the other side of this lake. It's like God to create a miracle. The catch of the fish, he had to get Peter out into deep. He had to get him away from the place that he was in to get him a miracle. Here he tells them, let us go over on the other side. The book of Mark says a lot of other little ships followed, followed along. Then there rose a great storm. I mean, you know, sometimes you can get a promise from God. What's the first thing happens? I'm telling you, a terrible storm hits. Sometimes we feel like that God tells us to do something, and we start to do it, and what happens? A great storm hits. Adversity comes. We don't want to get discouraged because we have a commandment from what? We're going where? To the other side. He didn't tell them to get in the boat. One time he told them to get in the boat. But this time he said, we are going to what? Get in the boat and we're going to do what? We're going to go to the other side. And a great storm came. A great tempest came. The waves beat up on the ship so that it was full of water. It was filled with water and they was all in jeopardy. I never have been out in a boat I don't think but once or twice and that last time done me in when I went out with my uncle when we got back I made up my mind that ends my tour on the lake in a boat because a storm came up he waited too long to get us back but we made it back the Bible said the tempest increased it got fiery and the waves were like mountains and high and beating against the ship until it was come to the place almost inedible. It's going to be destroyed. Have you ever felt sometimes in your life the things are going to be destroyed? You felt like God called you to do something, you started to do it, and something goes wrong. And here they are in this storm. I love that song, Peace. Wasn't but one man on that boat 
had what? Peace. The rest of them was in chaos, stirred, afraid they were going to go down. They forgot what the commandment was from the mouth of Jesus. We're going to do what? It didn't look like they was going to the other side. It didn't look like they was going to reach their destiny. So they become afraid. And what did they do? They woke Jesus up. They said, don't you care? How can you sleep? All this going on. And we're about to drown. And he rebuked him strongly. Strongly. He gave him a strong rebuke. Said, where's your faith? Did not I say, I'm going to paraphrase, did not I say we're going where? But they didn't believe they was going to the other side. He rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased, you find this in the book of Mark 4. And then there was a great calm. And disciples cried, what manner of man is this? The God-man, the Word-man, filled. Emmanuel, God with us. Let us take notice, Jesus delivered them. He delivered them. But then what did he do after he delivered them? Notice this. And the Lord was far from satisfied with them and conducted the disciples and rebuked them because of their lack of what? Faith. They had no faith. You remember when Brother Philip Brasfield was here, Dr. Philip Brasfield? He said, when you read in the Bible, a lot of time when it says little faith, it means no faith. They didn't have no faith. He told them we're going to do what? What are we going to do? But when adversity came, they lost their what? Faith. Their faith failed them. We ought to pray that don't let our faith do what? It's impossible to please God without faith. No one can please God without faith. Must have faith. Must have the God kind of faith. Must have faith in God. They had no faith in Jesus. They had no faith in the spoken word that come from Jesus' mouth. They had no faith in that. They had faith when it was spoken, but when the storm came and that adversity come, the trials and the tests come, they had what? No faith. He said, let us go to the other side. He fell asleep. He had peace. It's God's plan for us to carry out what he told us to do, but in the midst of that, to have what? Peace and faith. We lose our peace when we lose our faith. Lose our confidence in God and what he said he was going to do. He's demonstrated this throughout the scriptures in Exodus 14 and 15. The Lord said unto Moses, Why are you crying to me? Why are you down on the ground? You found this in our prayer phrase letter. And why are you crying and calling for me to divide the Red Sea? Why are you asking me? Dr. Cho said the Christians today have become beggars rather than receivers of God. God wants us to act upon his word. And he had already told them they was going to the promised land. But the scripture said the sea was like a wall in front of them. 
verse 22. He said, why are you crying to me? Why are you praying? How many know that sometimes God doesn't expect us to pray? Sometimes he expects us to do what? To act and to command. That's what he's telling Moses here. He said, get up and tell the people to do what? Go forward. But the sea was like a red wall in front of them. They couldn't go forward. They couldn't go to the right or the left because of the mountain. And they couldn't go back because Pharaoh was on his way with a chariots. Someone told me the other day they watched a program where some of the scientists they believe they have found the place where Moses crossed the Red Sea and the Egyptian army went down. They've been doing, what's the word, excavating in the Red Sea. You know what they have found? Some chariot wheels. They believe it belonged to Pharaoh's army. I want you to know when God gives a promise and God gives a word, I don't care how much comes against us, if we will go forward, don't look back, don't look to the right, don't look to the left, and don't cry. He said, get up, offer your face, and stop crying. In other words, stop praying to me and asking me to do what? Divide the Red Sea. And he asked him, said, what's in your hand? Now, I want you to tell me what was in his hand. Anybody know? Was the rod. The rod represents the Word of God in the Old Testament. It's a symbol of the Word of God. And he said, what's in your hand? He said, the rod. And then he tells him, what did you use to turn the Nile into blood? What did he use to turn the Nile into blood? Thank you. He stretched the rod out. And the Nile did what? See, the power is not of us. The power is of God. It's obedience unto God, unto his word, that the power begins to move and begin to work. He said, what did you use when Pharaoh's Egyptians throw down their rods and they became snakes? What did you do? What did your rod do? What did his rod do? Ate them up. The rod is the word of God. The word of God will eat up the serpents in our lives trying to destroy us. So he tells him to take that what's in your hand, which is the word of God, which you have used and turn the dust into lice. What all you've done with the rod, I want you to take that rod and do what? Stretch it across the Red Sea. Now tell me what happened when he did that. What happened? The Red Sea divided. God expected him to use the authority and the power that he'd given him. Bible said when Jesus went away, he gave us what? Authority and power. Sometimes we need to pray, but sometimes we need to do what? Speak the word of God. Speak what God has told us. You'll find in the four Gospels, I believe you'll find out Jesus never asked God to do anything. Is that right? He used the authority that God had gave him. What did he do when he stood at Lazarus' grave and they told him, said, he's already stinking. He said, roll the stone away. He said, he's already stinking. That means that the body was already deteriorating. If you don't, if the, they don't embalm us in a few hours, a day or so after, I believe it's a day after you die, you begin to turn black and start decaying. 
Three days, you pretty well be decayed. Four days, you start stinking because you're already decaying. And he said, roll the stone away. And then what did he do? He said, Father, I thank you. You always hear me when I pray. Is that what he said? Sure, that's what he said. I thank you for hearing me when I always pray. And then he said in a loud voice, Lazarus, do what? Come forth. And that decayed body was already stinking. The flesh falling off the bones got up off of that bed because Jesus used the authority and the word that God had given him. He spoke it in faith, and it wasn't him. He said, within me, I can do nothing. It's God doing the work. If anything's going to be done, God has got to do what? But he looks for us to be in obedience to the word of God. Be obedient. Then we also find in Exodus, this mighty man of God had sort of lost his faith because he, he, he saw the wall in front of him, the big wall of water. What did he see behind him? It's never wise to look back. Never wise. Because you won't see some things that you might not like. Moses looked at invisible, I mean the visible, instead of looking at the invisible. We're called to look to the invisible God and all things are possible. Moses, their great leader, had become full of anxiety. And Lord, God said, why are you crying to me? In other words, why are you praying and asking me to divide the Red Sea? I want you to get up and do what? Go forward. That's what he said. He said, now get up and you get up and go forward. Not only that, you go forward. You tell the people to go forward. And I want you to know that they can't go forward because the wall of water was in front of them and Pharaoh was behind on the mountains on the other side. And God says, stretch the rod out across the water. The rod represents the word of God. When he stretched that rod out across the water, as God had told him to do, what happened? The waters divided, and they went forward. Another good example about Moses is uh, another good example about faith. When Joshua was going to cross the Jordan, it was in his flood stage. It wasn't in the banks no more. It was just flooded out. And what did God tell him to do? Somebody want to help me out? Get the ark, get it up on your shoulders, and start doing what? Marching toward the raging Jordan. And soon as your feet touches the water, what's going to happen? It's going to roll back. And we're going to come back to that here in a minute. And soon as the priest that carried the ark, feet touched the water, I want you to notice the difference. Moses on his face are crying, but Joshua is doing what? Totally obedience to God. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And when his feet touched that water, what happened? You read your Bible, it backed up 30 miles. Can you imagine that? The water backing up, it's already raging and got everything covered out of its bank, but it run backwards for 30 miles. The Bible said it run backwards for 30 miles because the creator 
of Jordan was speaking to it when Joshua obeyed. His feet touched the water, and they walked across on dry ground. See the difference in faith? And when God has commanded us to do something, he tells them, get in the boat, and we're going to do what? We're going to the other side. But when the storm came, the trial came, the test came, they lost their faith. They lost their faith. If Abraham had been on that boat, he would have not woken up Jesus. He would not have woken him up. You find this in Romans. He staggered not at the promises of God. He believed God would do exactly what he said he would do. When God told him to take your son and your only son and sacrifice him to me, he rose up early in the morning, got the fire, got the wood, got everything but the sacrifice, and went on his way. He believed if he killed that boy, he'd pull that knife back to kill that boy. Isaac was 40 years of age. He had him laying on the altar. He believed if he killed that boy, God would do what? Raise him from the dead. That was his faith in God. And Romans 4 says, He staggered not at the promise of God. He did not waver. He did not doubt. He believed that God would do what he said he would do. Romans 4.18 said, And under ultra, ultra hopeless situation. In other words, Abraham's situation was hopeless. But he believed what God had said he would do. Not only he would do, he believed God was able to do it, and he would do it. So he had that there. We find something else along this line, Exodus 17 and 9. Israel was in a battle. Joshua was down in the valley of fighting, and Moses was up on the top of the hill. And Moses told Joshua in Exodus 17 and 9, Moses said, I will stand on the top of the hill. What's he going to stand with? The rod. He said, the rod. The rod of God in my hand. Now I'm going to stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. As long as he held up the rod... Have you ever tried to see how long you could hold your hand up? I mean, no, you can't do it very long. He was totally dependent upon God. He done had some experience at the Red Sea. He's got some greater experience, confidence in the Word of God. You know, the Bible said Jesus' name is above all names in heaven and earth. Every tongue shall confess and every knee shall bow at that name. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. But his word, he said, I've exalted and magnified my word above my name. Heaven and earth is going to pass away. Now, Jesus is going back to heaven. But his word, this Bible is just like Jesus was standing in front of us talking, or God standing and talking to us. He has given us his word. And we have his word here. And Moses said, I'm going to hold up the rod while you fight in the battle. The battle does not belong to us. The battle belongs to God. But we have to pray to get what God has promised sometime. And what happened? Moses holding up the rod. Anybody know the story? Oh, 
he got he, he switched hands he got tired standing up couldn't stand up no more he's 80 years old I mean you know the older you get it's harder to do what the older you get the first thing it goes is what some of you grinning what's the first thing goes your legs anybody in your 80s having trouble with your legs so he had trouble with his legs he called two men to help him Jesus said if two or three are gathered together in my name I'm going to be in the midst when Moses couldn't hold his hands up no longer Joshua began to lose the battle when we lose the sight of using the word of God the enemy will get the advantage of us when he couldn't hold the word up the rod speak the word the enemy began to beat Joshua then what did these two men do <laughs> do what with the rod in his hand and something else now he's 80 now but he can't stand up no more if you can't stand up in church I don't want you to be ashamed about it Moses couldn't stand up neither but what did they do they got a rock or stone and set him down on and Paul said in that rock that followed them in Christ that rock that followed them in the wilderness was Christ Jesus so they had the word they had the stone they had the rock and Jesus Christ it says in Hebrews 17 and 5 I mean Exodus 17 and 5 Christ is our banner it means in the Hebrew it's the Jehovah Nessa he is our banner but as long as these two men held up his arms sitting on the rock holding the rod up Joshua did what he won the battle when two or three are supporting holding up the words standing on the word of God there's a guy came and preached many years ago his last name was Williams he'd been healed of an incurable disease he left us some scriptures that he had got out of the Bible and he read them daily until God healed him there's something about the word of God heaven and earth's gonna pass away but my word is gonna be what forever so they won because it was holding up the word of God he could have told Moses Moses I promised you the Canaan's land you're going to the other side don't pay no attention to that Red Sea it's a wall of water I've given you a promise I mean it promise what is it 800 something promises in the Bible all the promises of yes and what to who us so the promise of God and then God tell Moses to do something after the battle was won and uh, Israel won the, a, a complete victory over them verse 15 said he said now Moses write this in a book and then rehearse it in Joshua's ears write it down in a book I mean you know it's a good pretty good advice to keep a journal where you can read through there and read back and see what God has spoken and things like that 
and said, Rehearse it in Joshua's ears, what he is saying. Keep passing this on. Keep passing on to the next generation the importance of holding the word of God, holding the rod up against your enemy and the blessings of God. And I will destroy the old enemy for you. So we want to keep our mind upon God and the things of God. Abraham was not only, he was the father of faith, that right? He was the father of nations. And Jesus told, I mean, God told him, he said, the promise is not to your seed, plural, Ishmael and Isaac. It's not to them. It's to your seed, singular. You find this in Galatians 3. Through Jesus Christ, he is our hope. He is our rod. He is our salvation. He is our deliverance. He is our faith. He's the author of what? If you need faith, you need to what? Ask. The Bible said faith comes by hearing. And what else? Repetition, reading the word of God brings faith. When the man brought his son to him, that cast himself in the fire, cast himself in the river, Jesus looked at him and said, How long this boy had this? He said, Since birth. He said, Do you believe I can do this? He said, well, your disciples all failed. But Jesus said, do you believe I can do it? What did he say? Yes, I believe. But help what? Sometimes we have to ask God. He's given us all these examples. And we must know how to use these things. Brother Don is the mechanic or whatever at the paper mill. I imagine they got to know how to use the right tool for the right job. A surgeon has to use a lot of different tools. Is that right, Cindy? Has a lot of different tools. He got to know how to use the right one. And we as Christians must know how to use the Word of God at the appropriate time that God tells us. And He will do the work. The battle doesn't belong to us, it belongs to God. Obedience is what he looks for from us, faith. The one of things of God. According to which was spoken, but you find this in also in Romans 4, where Abraham said, I believe what was spoken over me. I believe. In other words, he believed that he was going to be the father of what? Many nations. It took 25 years for that to ever come to pass. But he never staggered. He never wavered. He believed what God had said. He believed in that which was spoken, and he went his way believing it. He believed God's written word that was spoken over him. Let me read you something else here. Paul dared to stand forth when all hope that we should be saved. Taken away from us, he stood up, and this is found in Acts 27. He stood up and said, Be of good cheer. For there be no loss of any man's life among you. All hope was gone that there's going to be what? Three times, three times you find in the Scripture what God told Paul, you're going where? To Rome. And you're going to testify before Caesar. Now, if that ship had went down... Would Paul got to go to Rome? 
No, he wouldn't got to go to Rome. Glory to God. He said, an angel of God has stood beside me this night. How many of you know that we need to, I may teach on that Wednesday night. There are flaming ministering spirits, even in what Jesus was in the wilderness, 40 days and 40 nights with the devil. What, what else was there with him? Angels, thank you. Angels. Here, God had sent his angel, reconfirming. See, sometimes the men of the greatest faith sometimes need to have the reconfirming of the word of God in their lives. And that Paul said, an angel stood beside me this night and told me, if you remain in the ship, you'll be saved. How I many of you bring, remain in God's word, remain in his church, you will be what? You're going to be saved. And he says, I believe it. I know it don't look like the ship is coming apart. They're throwing everything overboard. The ship's all coming apart. They're going to try to save the ship. They've been undergirded, put ropes under it and tied and holding together. It looked like it was fixing to go down. But he said, I believe what the Lord has told me. Let me paraphrase a little bit. He has promised me that I am going to Rome. I have heard it from him that I'm going to Rome. He sent an angel in this worst condition that looks like we're all going to be lost and told me, and I believe it. I may believe what God says. We're going to where? The other side. He gives you a promise. It may not look like to the flesh it's going to be fulfilled. For 25 years, it didn't look like to Abraham probably that he was going to ever have a child. But he never staggered. He never wavered. He believed what God had said. Even though Sarah was 75 years of age, he still what? Believed. And the Bible said in Hebrews 11, she received faith to conceive. They believed God. They didn't stagger. They didn't waver. They didn't doubt. Abraham would not have woke Jesus up because he believed in the spoken word of God. He would have believed that the ship was going to do what? Go to the other side. How many believe we're going to the other side? Used to be a song. A couple came to church there in Atlanta for a while. I don't remember what their name, but they could really sing. They sang that old song where the, on the great speckled bird. How'd that go? Y'all remember that? You remember that, Sister Linda? I'm going to know you made Paul said, I've buried my body many stripes. Christian bears many wounds, hurtful wounds, throughout the life. And not only that, the world does. I hear people say, well, it's, it's, it's bad about Christians. It's worse to be in the world. If you're a Christian you got wounds, God is the healer. He heals us. He comforts us. I'm going to fast forward a little bit what I intended to mention Sunday morning. But in the book of Jeremiah, he asked this question. Is there no bomb, B-A-L-M, in Gildad? Is there no bomb? The word bomb means healing, healing. There was a day's journey from where the bomb was, but not one person went to that city and got any healing ointment to heal. God heals people in his church. If you've ever been wounded, God will what? Anybody in here ever been wounded spiritually? Sure you have. You got some wounds. But God has healed you. And here, 
Paul was fearless. He tells in verse 25, I believe God, and it shall be as it was told to me. The twelve did not believe as it was told to them by God. You're going, or we're going to what? To the other side. When the storm came, they lost their faith. They lost their confidence in the word of God. And they woke him up and he rebuked them because they had no faith. Let's gather ourselves and believe what God has said. And what he said about us will come true. We're going to the other side. We're going to see the victory things of God. That God has told Paul, you're going to Rome. And he knew he was going to Rome because God had told him. He'd been told three times he's going to Rome. How many times we can't see the plan of God plain enough? Now, where did the ship land? God could have easily carried that ship on to Rome. But he let it run the ground where? At Malta. What was going on at Malta? A bunch of sick people. And God wanted them healed. They was heathens. And the Bible said they showed Paul no little kindness. Lord, they just overwhelmed him with kindness. He healed that whole island. And it's also believed that there was a whole island was converted. He had to make a detour before he got to Rome. I mean, you know, sometimes in life, we have to make what? No, you remember that old song? No detour ahead. Sometimes we have to detour a little bit. But the promise is going to come true. Because what God has spoken is going to come true. So we keep the promises of God. Proverbs 3.26 said, For the Lord shall be thy confidence. He is our confidence to believe and trust in God. Put all of our hope in God and don't waver and don't doubt. And sometimes we may, like Moses, doubt. The Bible said he was faithful in all of his house. But there was a time he wavered. There was a time he doubted. But when he stood holding up the rod, he didn't doubt. He got two men to help him. He sat on the rock. He held his hands up until the victory is won. What does holding up your hand represent? If a policeman tells you to do what? Do what? It means you're totally surrendered. When God sees that we're totally surrendered, holding up the word of God, believe in God and act upon God, I guarantee victory belongs to God. And we shall be victorious in what we do. God bless you for being here tonight. If you allow us, I'd like to pray over you. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for your living word of God. As David said, it's my meat day and night. We thank you that it never shall pass away. It always accomplished everywhere you sent it. Every word that proceedeth out of your mouth over these people here tonight, you will protect them everywhere they go. The angel of the Lord will be with them in flaming ministering spirit, Lord, in comfort and leading and guiding and blessing. Make sure the promise comes true in their lives. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you tonight.